Hi, I'm Ali from Shanghai Chan. If you like our show, why not support it with a small donation? Become a Shanghai Chan patron by donating as little as five dollars a month, and you will get a cool Shanghai Chan branded sticker. For ten dollars, you get one of our amazing Shanghai Chan coffee mugs. Just go to Patreon.com/ShanghaiChan to sign up. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Shanghai John. Thanks for your support. Welcome to Shanghai John, a raw and lively regular debate about China tech, advertising, creativity, platforms, and the intersection of it all. Join us each session for timely and relevant discussions on all things China marketing. We'll be joined by an entire spectrum of China experts. You can learn more about Shanghai John at our website, johnstation.com. Coming to you directly from the city of Shanghai, I'm Bryce Whitlock, and I'm Ali Kazmi. Influencers are now the main advertising medium for many brands in China, Ali, far outseating other formats. China is now obsessed with. Performance marketing and influencers seem to be a direct route to achieving instant return on investment. In a recent survey, 69% of Chinese consumers say they purchase something because of an influencer. Influencers are not only just helping consumers decide、uh, the right pair of headphones or lipstick; they also serve as a form of entertainment. Live streaming is now regularly watched by 29% of the Chinese population. 80% of whom had purchased a product from a live stream event. Being an influencer, or in China as we say, key opinion leader or KOL, is now the number one most desired occupation for Chinese fresh graduates. News of top KOLs' fortunes potentially earning billions of dollars is widely circulated on social media. Is this a hardship position or the coolest job on earth? So today, Ali, we thought we'd ask a KOL ourselves. Today, we are honored to welcome Mia Liu, who is a fashion, beauty, and lifestyle blogger. Mia has collaborated with brands such as La Mer, L'Oreal, Tom Ford, Louis Vuitton, Jimmy Choo, and others. Mia's main audience is in China, mainly on Weibo, WeChat, and Red or Xiaohongshu. But Mia also has an overseas Chinese following, given that she's lived in the U.S. for five years. And get this, Ali, Mia currently has over three million fans on Weibo. Wow! Many more fans than we have. We're three million short. And one hundred thirty thousand fans on WeChat. I should also point out that Mia and I have something in common, Ali. We both attended the Thunderbird Global School of Business at Arizona State University. We will put Mia's social media links on the show notes, and I should point out that today's podcast is sponsored by our good friends at Campaign Asia. Mia, welcome to Shanghai Zan. Hello, hello, I'm Mia.、Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks, Mia. And before we get started, we'd like to remind everyone that if you like the show, please give us a five-star review on your favorite platform, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Both have places to leave reviews. It really helps a lot. Mia, tell us a little about how you got into the KOL business. How long have you been doing it, and when did you get started? Is this something that you started after you got your master in marketing at Thunderbird? After I graduated from Thunderbird School of Global Management, I got an opportunity to become a fashion editor. 
So I moved to San Francisco Bay Area to become one. And after one year, I done the editor work. At that time, I think a fashion blogger is kind of writing globally, but there is really no one in China doing it, at least in a professional way. So I started to think maybe I can do it. And I did it. I have already done this job for almost five years. I lost track of time, actually. And you said you started out as an editor. Yes. So you were writing for magazines or you were a freelance journalist. You were writing different uh, things about fashion for, for magazines and publications. If you know a company called Dilmong. I'm not familiar with them. Actually, it's a very famous Chinese-American company. All the Chinese-American community knows about it. It's like a Philly marketing company. And they also have the fashion columns and I read about them. Interesting. So what's a typical day like for you? We know that influencers live a very stressful, busy life. Our friends say, well, it's not as glamorous as you might think. It's a lot of hard work. What's a typical day like for Mia Liu? I think sometimes it could be really busy and really stressful because uh, sometimes I have to run to three to four brands in van, and uh, sometimes I do photo for the whole days. Because I don't consider myself as a very typical fashion blogger, because I've done a lot of writing. Do they usually post videos and other things? Not only do the photos or the videos, I also write something very personally and something about social issues or something about feminism, about everything. You have agents or you work for a specific company that assigns you projects through brands, or do you deal with the brands directly? I deal with the brands directly, but sometimes the brands will turn to the agency. They will like reach out to me. I'm self-employed. I own my small company with a team of five. And what do those people do for you? Are they editors or yes. video editing? Uh, what, what do the five people do? I'm just curious. Four of them is doing the editing things, and another one is doing the client's relations, and also me. I'm doing a little bit of everything. <laughs> That's great. We've heard a rumor, 98% of KOLs, 99% don't make a lot of money. It's a very stressful kind of job. Is that true? Is this a glamorous life that everyone seems to think it is, or is it pretty tough? As you said, it's a rumor. It's just like other rumors. It's not reliable. I think the number has to be like bigger than 1%. And also, I think there is <laughs> there is a lot of variations in this industry because people sometimes like they have the contract with the MCN company. Sometimes people just like me, self-employed, they will make a lot of differences. And also people in different industries, they also have a lot of KOLs, but they Assumably, I don't think they can make a lot of money, but maybe people like me in the fashion and the beauty industry, we are more easier to make money. I think it's very complicated and there is no way accurately to calculate the number. And also, I think some KOL, they are not doing this kind of stuff only for money. Sometimes they just take it as a sad job. They love to share ring on internet. No, that makes sense. And also for the glamorous part, I think we are just like uh, I don't know how to say it. We're like farmers in fashion industry. 
we are really like hardworking. What you think is just the stereotypes. We get the opportunity. We get the opportunity to like fashion events and uh, uh, maybe know some celebrities. But this kind of glamorous scene doesn't make us glamorous. That sounds like advertising as well to some extent. It's same. It's the same. You know, whenever we talk to many of our clients,、uh, when they look at influencers, they look at different types of influencers. So sometimes they refer to them as KOCs, sometimes they refer to them as KOLs, and then sometimes they also refer to them as MCNs. And so for our audience who's not very familiar with the influencer industry, can you give us a little bit of your understanding of you know what's the difference between these three? KOC and KOL, I think the difference is mainly because of the followers, what kind of how big the influence they can make. And MCN is like a model agency. They have a lot of bloggers in their company, and they will take commissions from the each collaborations.、Mm-hmm. Okay. And then where would you fit? You basically more of a KOL model, is that correct? Ah,、uh, definitely, I'm a KOL and a soft employee, the KOL. <laughs> What do you think the advantages are of working for a big company KOL business as opposed? From doing it on your own, I think the the benefit is like the bundle sale. They have a lot of bloggers, so they can be a package for the advertising company, and、uh, at a lower price to do the advertising. That's why some brands or agency they come to the MCN more often because they will be time efficient. How does a KOL make money in China? In the West, influencers. Are often YouTube bloggers. They make their money off of advertising revenue from YouTube. As we know, YouTube shares about fifty percent of the ad revenue from your videos. So there's a huge incentive to try to get a lot of people to watch your YouTube videos. But in China, it's different, right?、Uh, the platforms don't pay you. How does a KOL make money? I think there are two ways. One way, but that they basically is. Only for the advertising. The one way is the payment and the one time. When you get a collaboration with brands, they will sign a contract with you, and they will pay you at one time completely before or after the collaboration. Another model is CPS. It's like affiliate marketing.、Uh, they will give you a link with tracking. They will track how many clicks or for how many transactions you make. And they will pay you based on that. What format do you usually get? Do you get the 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 click performance way or the one off pay? Which one's more common for you? The first one, one time payment. I prefer the first one also because I think I'm not a sales. Value is not only based on the sales I make. I also do branding and I make quality content for the brand and try to communicate with all the audience for the brand. So. Uh, I don't want to be paid only because only based on the sales. And do you see that? Because whenever we talk about influencers, I think one of the things that you mentioned earlier as well, you know, your team, you have a much bigger team than we would have expected from a KOL, and that team obviously does a lot of editorial work. And you also mentioned that you do a lot of the writing yourself as well. So I can understand how you're more focused on branding versus. Focused on sales, is there a trend in the influencer industry? And you, are you seeing more clients asking 
their KOLs for performance-based collaboration? And are there specific industries that are being affected by this type of behavior?、Mm-hmm. Definitely, I I could tell that a lot of brands they only where they care more about the performance, but they will tend to the that kind of KOL. Not me. I could see I do a little bit of both branding and sales, but. I'm not like completely focused on sales. And how do you get discovered by advertisers? Because, you know, I work for a, a pretty big advertising company, and the approach that we have for choosing or identifying influencers is through technology. So we usually have a SaaS-based platform, or we use something like Xingtuo to identify which KOL we should work with. And what is your process for for being discovered? Is that something that the advertiser does, client or a brand, or does an agency, advertising company, or social marketing company recommend you to the client? The brands they will try to find a, a very experienced agency, and all the agency they know us better, and they have a, a lot of people in on their list. And they will try give the clients some recommendations. They will also come to us, ask if we are interested, and ask for our press. And if there is a mutual fit, they will turn back to the brand. The brands in house, they will make a decision who gonna like do the collaborations. There's a lot of money that goes into KOL technology these days, and I just wanted to know how much of the discovery of the KOL happens because of. The technology or the search tools, and how much of it is because of word of mouth? How many people come to you and say, "Oh, I heard about Mia. Mia is really good. She really did this content and all this stuff." And, and and versus how much of it is, you know, I did some search on some sheet hole. You know, I found her through that system. I think word of mouth is the best marketing format, and、uh, I think I have been found almost by this way. I'm kind of like old in this industry. So a lot of people knows me. You're very young. I have a follow up question. We've done a couple of podcasts, and we've talked about influence with different guests. Some of our guests have mentioned that it's getting more difficult to make money. Others say social media is still where you can make a lot of the money. Do you find the KOL business to be more profitable for you?、Uh, is it more lucrative? Uh, more clients, more growth. Obviously, you have a big team. Because this industry is very the young blood is like writing every single day. So I'm 32 years old. So I you can consider me as old. Why do you think is the difficulty? I have to say it's getting more and more difficult because of the traffic is distracted from other platforms. Two years ago, Weibo and WeChat is still very strong and they're at the top. But right now, we have Red, Xiaohongshu, Bilibili, and TikTok. But across Platform communication is really hard. I'm a blogger on Weibo. It's really hard for me to get into Xiaohongshu. Xiaohongshu bloggers, it's really hard to get into WeChat. Weibo 公众号 platform because the media decides who is your audience. Uh, like people who use Xiaohongshu is really young, and the people who on Weibo maybe they kind of like the middle aged more or some. And for WeChat, they have a different lives, the different ways to get information. And but go back to your question, I think it's getting more and more difficult to make money. 
But if you are followers growing up and you keep maintaining it, your price per sale is going up. Even your cases going down, so you'll still make money. What's a good example of a collaboration? Give us a brand that you worked with that you really enjoyed working with, or you work with frequently. Tell us about what you did, and maybe what was the success of the campaign. Why? Why do you think it was a good example of something that you've done? Uh, I think there are a lot of collaborations that I really love. I really love them. But I can give you two examples. One is with Durex, the condom brand. You know it. We've never you heard of it. Know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because uh, because Durex reached out to me, make me really excited because I think they done a lot of good advertising content. I could learn from them, and when they reach out to me, I think they. Kind of like approve on my content, so I got really excited. I appreciate that opportunity, and also I really want to talk sex in public <laughs> because in China,、uh, it's always being like a hidden topic, especially for women. And I really want to give my audience some new ideas and a new way to think about sex.、Uh, I think sex is very important, and my audience some. Of them is very young. They need to have a very healthy sex educations. So I really love that one. Maybe you can share some of the content that you created for the show notes later on, so that we can kind of share with people. I thought you were more of a luxury beauty kind of an influencer, but it seems like you're quite diverse in the type of partnerships that you've had with brands. It was sex education. What specifically, like, how did the brand reach out to you? What did they ask you, and what did you create for them? Can can you give us a little bit more information on what was the engagement like? They gave me a brief about what they want to express. I write an article for them, a love story I come up with, and we are trying to tell people you need to wear condoms. <laughs> and where did you publish the articles? Weibo's Instagram. Yeah, because Weibo's Instagram is better for you to tell a story. Better for you to build a brand image. Yeah, long format content.、Yes. And there is another one is with WeWork. That one is because WeWork is my my landlord. After I got back from San Francisco, and I rented office in WeWork and stayed there for almost three years. They sent me to South Korea and I visited all the their locations and talked to their brand manager. And my goal is to record a vlog, and the topic is about female entrepreneurship. So that's really like to my point. Like I really like the 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 the, the topic,、uh, because I graduated from business school. Entrepreneurship is kind of in my blood, so our intention is to encourage more women to do their own business, to start their own business. Now, I know that you're focused mainly on Chinese social media. Is it possible to do both Western and Chinese social media at the same time, or is it just too much work, too complicated? I think it's totally possible, but during the pandemic, it's Impossible. Why is that? Because、uh, we don't really communicate with the brands overseas. We don't talk to the headquarters 
yes, we only talk to the local companies. So it's it's hard for us to do something internationally during the pandemic, especially the lockdown. Now, I know you mentioned you do a lot of writing and, and photography. Do you get into live streaming? That's the question that always we read a lot. And I mentioned it in the beginning of the podcast that live streaming is so popular now in China. Is live streaming required now for most KOLs in the business? Mm, I think there is a misunderstanding. KOL is not equal to live streamer. I did three times live streaming only for the branding and didn't do anything for sales. I think it's very big right now, but it's kind of already reached the peak. It's well going down. At the very beginning, the Austin Lee come up, people, all the brands, they really want to try the live streaming things and definitely they can get them good transactions. But after a long time, they will realize the hard sell is just the one time thing. You need to do something very more long lasting. So I think more brands is becoming more uh, rational right now. They need to do the both, the sales and also the branding. You have to do them both. Yeah, that's true. Mia, I'm always impressed by meeting people like you that have a huge follower base. I'm sure that a lot of starting off in the business, KOLs always ask you some advice. What advice could you give people who, let's say, are starting out as a KOL how did they build their fan base up? What What's required? How do you go from 100,000 to 1 million to 3 million? What's the magic? I think the magic is to be yourself. Right now, you can see the big data and also the algorithm will give you a pattern about like how you're going to get more traffic and the people trying to repeat other people's success. All the content, sometimes they look just similar. But we are KOLs, actually, our name is K-Opinion Leader. You have to have your own opinion. You have to have uh, your personalities. So I think the magic is just being genuine as much as possible. Genuine, you mean differentiating. You try to be not like someone else, but be yourself and, and have your own voice. Yes, being yourself is the best way to differentiate you from others who do you look up to within the influencer community of course it's really important i mean as a kol to be yourself but there are other influencers that you look up to as well and say wow this person's really amazing or really like this person's style or personality or things like that who do you look up to i don't have one i really like admire some people hardworking or some success they got that I don't have a role model. I like writers. I look up to writers. Like who? I like Garcia, James Joyce. But <laughs> How often do you reject projects with brands? Do you often get asked to do something and you'll just say, well, that's not what I do? Like you talked about being differentiated. Does that require you to often say no to potential projects? Uh, not very often, but I do reject some brands because they don't have a very good product with good quality. I will like definitely say no. Do you follow your audience 
segmentation. Where are they from? What cities? What age are they? In terms of your content, do you look at the analytics? Do you make judgments on what you need to improve on? Uh, we barely do that actually because I want to initiate my content myself. I don't want to like totally to meet other people's demands. But we also can see all the data from the. Platforms they give us the data. We don't need to use other technology to dig into it. What kind of format of the content that you do is the most popular? Actually, my trick is always the emotional attachment is the priority. Just being in genuine and to tell your true story, and this kind of story always like. Touch the people. So, Mia, one question for you: Agency people always tell their clients to build long-term brand partnerships with their KOLs, basically build better and more effective relationships both with you and your audiences. Do you agree with this approach? And does this happen in China? I think the long-term relationship is very important because it's very good for you to control your cost on communication. But the, to be more practical, I think I will. I would recommend the agency or the brands to try different、uh, KOL because they can attract different kind of people to explore who's your potential target audience. So I think it's very important. And、uh, also after you done the collaboration with the with the new KOLs, you need to go back to review the performance and to. Pick the one who fits for you. I think the review is very important. And what brands do you think now? Maybe fashion brands that you might have worked with before. They really know how to use KOLs, right?、Uh, is there any brand、uh, or brands that stick out for you as good examples? There are a lot of luxury brands that they are just doing good. But I think Nike is kind of impressed. Impressed me because they don't really use KOL right now. They more use the community, like the street dance community or some some kind of other KOC. Yeah, I think that's that's really cool. What do you think you'll be doing in five years, Mia? We always ask that for a job interview question. Do you be still doing this?、Uh, or would you like to do something else? Where do you see your brand going in the influencer world? I think everything could be possible. And、uh, right now, I'm working on my novel. After this, I'm gone doing something else at the same time. Right now, I pay for to finish my novel first. And after five years, I think maybe I gonna become a mom, so I can share with my audience which diaper is better. And after ten years, maybe I got ten、uh, years or twenty years, I can tell my audience how to dress in your fifteens. It's an endless job, and also I love writing. If as long as I can write, I can still. Influence people. Do the A B test. A stands for Ali and B stands for Bryce. So that's the A and B test. So it's not your typical A and B test. I'm going to give you two options, two words or two sentences, and then you have to choose one. So I'm going to start first.、Uh, Weibo or Instagram. Weibo.、Uh, Guilin or the Grand Canyon. Guilin. Indoor or outdoor. Outdoor, outdoor. Austin Lee or Kylie Jenner.、Mm, Kylie Jenner.、Uh, blue or pink. Pink. Kings of Glory or Pokemon. Kings of Glory. Lanjo Lamian or Burrito. Definitely Lanjo Lamian. I agree with you. No, 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 no. Lanjo Niu Rou Mian. I grew up in Gansu. 
Oh, yes, that's much better. Lanjo Neuromia is even better. Excellent choice. Okay, PCR test or antigen test? Antigen. I prefer to do it myself. Yeah, who doesn't? Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Mia, thanks for being on the show. It's been really awesome. Uh, it's been great, very informative, and we really appreciate it. And hopefully we can get together sometime after the lockdown. Uh, thanks for having me. And thank you for everyone for being on the show today. Join us next week for another exciting show. And to all our listeners, until then, have a great day. 